0: This episode is brought to you by Ursa Minor Outfitters. Folks, I'm absolutely in love with my Loon mug. It's handmade, it's an absolute piece of art. Whether it's at the office or at the house, people keep asking to check it out. If you're not a Loon fan, they also have other beautiful mugs for wildlife fans of moose, bears, and eagles. They specialize in products highlighting the outdoors and local pride through quality design by local artists. They've even started expanding into items beyond mugs, like apparel, dog accessories, and soon candles and more. They also try to Partner and highlight other small businesses, and in some cases, forgo profits in lieu of charitable giving to help their community, such as the dog rescue. So check them out, UrsaMinorOutfitters.com, and enter promo code HikesMike's10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for our four-legged hiking partners, they also have a portable silicone dog bowl and also a sweet over-the-collar dog bandana. Go check them out, UrsaMinorOutfitters.com, and don't forget to enter promo code HikesMike's10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Welcome everyone to the Hikes and Mikes Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan, and together we'll embark on a weekly journey connecting with extraordinary hikers from all corners of the U.S. and beyond. As the cool and colorful embrace of fall envelops the northern hemisphere, we've had the privilege of conversing with remarkable individuals throughout this season. Their experiences and adventures will leave you yearning to hit the trails. And in today's episode, we're chatting with our first guest from Connecticut. Her name is Suzanne and you can follow her on Instagram at Suzanne underscore K-A-T-H underscore B. My apologies to both Suzanne and our listeners for the audio at the end of this episode. Our lines got out of sync by a second or two at the start of the this or that questions, including in our backup audio file. Not all the questions were impacted, so we kept the section in, but you will hear a small overlap during the responses to the questions. In this episode, Suzanne shares with us some of the great outdoor opportunities Connecticut has to offer, including viewpoints and local hiking challenges to help you get outside. She's also a coordinator for the American Perimeter Trail and provides us with updates on the APT and the work she's been doing locally to help develop the APT in Connecticut. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with our guest. Suzanne, welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mike's podcast. I'm really excited to have today's guest on the on the podcast, I should say. Um, She's our first podcast guest from Connecticut. Her name is Suzanne, and she's going to be sharing about her experiences and also giving some updates on the American Perimeter Trail that she's involved in. And you know, we got to ask her about the fall colors in and around Connecticut. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We always like to ask our guests how they got started hiking and how long they've been doing
1: it for. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I actually started hiking when I was pretty young, Uh, when I was about 10 and 11. My parents got a motorhome. And during the summer, we would travel across the country. And so one of my first hikes was in Yellowstone when I was about 10 years old. And I just have loved the outdoors since then. And then in fifth grade, I had a teacher that thought uh, learning To read a top of map and use a compass was more important than math. So maps in, maths out. And then we hiked the Appalachian Trail through Connecticut uh, in fifth grade. And again, that was like during the weekends, my big sister came with me. And since then, I've just kept going.
0: That's quite the introduction into the hiking and backpacking scene. I got to ask because I'm slowly starting to revisit places that I've where I started hiking. And just seeing the differences between the trails or the the peaks. Have you been able to go back to some of those places that you would um, road trip across um, the states and revisit them?
1: Unfortunately, I haven't been back out west yet, but it's definitely going to happen. At one point, I realized I'm like 20 minutes away from the Appalachian Trail. Why don't I go there more often? I usually end up in local land trusts or just I can walk to uh, a lot of places. I, I live where I live, so I could walk to a trail, walk to the library because I, I would prefer that over uh, using the car. And so I decided to go re-hike the Connecticut portion of the AT, and I must have been in really good shape in in fifth grade. And uh, as I went along, I would send a picture to my big sister and say, hey, do you remember this rock? I clearly remember this rock, right? And she's like, I don't remember the rock. Um, But yeah, so I went and I redid it. And it was a lot of fun revisiting that portion of the trail and seeing it again 40 years later.
0: And what would you say is some of the biggest differences that you you've seen over um, the last couple of years?
1: Uh, Well, the trail did change a little bit. I think a year or two ago, they did have to reroute it. And so I actually have to go back and redo that section. I think it was only a mile or two that changed. So I am going to go back through and and do it again. But otherwise, uh, like I said, like it brought back memories. And it's amazing that, you know muscle memory, you know, to for so many years ago to just kind of be reliving it and remembering where my love of being outside and being on a trail first started was really great. Um so but, you know, the the rocks looked very familiar. <laughs>
0: You know, I've had guests from the Northeast, but you're the first um, from Connecticut. How would you describe the hiking scene in and around uh, your neck of the woods?
1: It's pretty friendly around here and and we have some beautiful trails. So we have over 820 miles of blue blazed hiking trails in the state of Connecticut. I mean, we're very small, but we have a lot of trails. It's one of the things I love about living here. And out of those 800, I've hiked about 524 so far which is, it's a wonderful uh, challenge because it's taking me into different parts of the state. And again, for such a small state, you can go from one place to another. And, you know, one place, it's really, really flat. And then you go and you have these beautiful what we call mountains uh, here, uh, which are just kind of small hills compared to uh, I have friends that would, you know, moved here from California, they're like these are hills, these aren't mountains, but you know, they're Connecticut mountains, we, we like our mountains the way they are. And so it's beautiful, because you see all these different types of terrains, and you'll see fields, you'll see uh, these beautiful pine forests where you get that Beautiful pine smell that you know you just want to bring home with you, and so we have a lot. And besides the Blue Blaze trails, you know we have all the local land trusts. So that 800 is just a small portion of what you can do here in Connecticut when it comes to hiking or backpacking. Plus, we have the New England Trail, the Connecticut section of the NET, uh, which I I have completed, and uh, that's an absolutely gorgeous trail to be on. And and I'm having a great time following the through hikers. I didn't realize that people were through hiking the NET. I figured, you know, Mm -hmm. people just did the AT and the PCT. But no, there's a there's a large group of people that hike the NET and it's fun to watch them go through. And I'll be like, I remember that tree. I gave that tree a big (laughs) hug when I was there. I'm so happy it's still there. Uh, So it's I think it's just a really great community uh, here in Connecticut. Lots of places to go. Maybe
0: it's a, a northeast hiking community thing that's popular but I feel like upstate New York has the challenges for the Catskills the Adirondacks New Hampshire has 48 peaks does Connecticut have a similar challenge within the state that people are trying to you know check off the list
1: yep so uh, Connecticut Forest and Park maintains those Blue Blaze Trails, and there is a, the Blue Blaze Trail Challenge. And so if you hike 50 you know miles, you get a patch. If you hike X amount of miles, I have a shirt that says I hike 200 miles. And when you do the 800, you get your picture on the website, you get some bragging rights, and you get a really nice vest. Uh, so there's that challenge. Plus, we have a wonderful place in Hamden, Connecticut, kind of in the middle of the state called Sleeping Giant. And Sleeping Giant has a wonderful story. Absolutely, Google it. And if you love geology, it is the place to go. There, I think I think there's 32 miles of trail, and when you hike all of it, you're a giant master. So of course, I did complete that and got I my like giant. That. My giant master uh, certificate, and I think there's actually one other one. I can't think of it right now, but yeah, we absolutely have our our challenges here in the state, uh, and, and the New England Trail does its own challenges. For, I think it's a 50 or 100 miles of the New England Trail as well.
0: I like the vest because I feel like most of the other challenges that I've heard, you end up with with a patch, which I love. That you know you get a patch to to recognize your achievement. But I like the you graduate. Up in swag and it ends with a vest. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, we're recording this at the tail end of summer. At least here in the Pacific Northwest, you're definitely starting to feel fall creeping on in. For you, how was your summer hiking experience?
1: The summer was pretty good. I I did get some miles in. I hike every single weekend if I can squeeze a day in during the week. Uh, I will, uh, but. Uh, Usually work gets in the way of that. Uh, So, But otherwise, I am out every single weekend and it's either on the Blue Blaze Trail or I go to one of my local trails. I do volunteer and do trail maintenance at a local place in Washington, Connecticut, uh, which I am so happy that I wasn't sure I could do it. And then I, you know, finally took that step because I wanted to give back to the trails that I was using. Uh, so I I do that every single month I go up there and I make sure that my section of trail is good. It was pretty buggy this year. We got a lot of rain. Uh, so, you know, lots of mosquitoes. But other than that, it's just been absolutely gorgeous. We only had a few really, really sweltering hot days. I'm not a big fan of sweating a lot when I'm hiking. I really am. I love, I hike around. I love these cool days that are starting here. It's beautiful right now. And I love hiking in the snow. So I'm really looking forward to uh, getting into the the cooler weather, even though I have shorter days. That's okay. I can deal with it. I have a headlamp.
0: (laughs) And I think I saw, Suzanne, a picture of, of this summer where you have a full-on bug net over your, your head. Do the bugs get that bad?
1: They are that bad. I mean, I'm wearing long sleeves. I put on, When I first thought of getting the bug net, I was like, oh, I don't want to be that person out on trail. They're just some bugs, right? And then I was like, nope, I cannot get another bug in my eye. I can't do it. I can't see as it is without glasses and <laughs> a bug in my eye is just going to, you know, that's it so yeah I go with the bug net and uh, some bug spray and long and long sleeves but uh, they were pretty fierce this year but I absolutely recommend the the bug net uh, now
0: and you know you're mentioning that you hike year round if you had to choose, Is there a season that kind of creeps up to the top as your favorite season to hike in?
1: I think fall is my favorite season to hike. It definitely is, uh, you know, for so many reasons. I mean, the cool, crisp air after the summer being so hot. And of course, the fall colors, you know, everything starts changing. and We all anxiously await these leaves to start changing. And and so we can get out there and start climbing things and, and stare at them and take and take many pictures of of the fall colors. It's just, it's so gorgeous. And, you know, there's so many places to appreciate it here. I mean, even for we have about maybe 2000 foot elevation i think is is the highest the highest point in Connecticut but i mean you can get some really beautiful views of of lakes and fields and stuff with these gorgeous yellows and oranges and it's just beautiful
0: yeah it's it's on my bucket list cuz here in the pacific northwest we we have a few deciduous trees but we didn't get a good fall last year. We kind of skipped it. We went straight from summer to winter in the mountains, at least. Um, so I think everyone's extra anxious to to get up there this fall to, to see the colors. And, you know, talking about the fall colors, the whole Northeast is known for the beautiful fall foliage that you guys have. What are some of the unique fall hikes in and around Connecticut or even in and around your neck of the woods to see some of these beautiful displays of colors?
1: Local to me, there's a place called Mac Costa's rock and it's up in Washington, Connecticut. And it's a short hike up. Uh, it's about two miles up to get to the this beautiful, just large rock where you have a view of the, uh, Lake Warmog and all the trees and the fields and the farms. There's a lot of farm country in uh, the upper portion of Connecticut. And so you have like just the contrast of the fields and then the the trees and the water. And so that's one of my favorite places to go. Sleeping Giant has a beautiful view at the top. There's a, I call it a castle, but there's like a lookout tower there. Uh, that's a really nice place to go. Other than that, I'd have to look because I've been to so many. I can't even bring one to mind because I've been to so many places that just have these gorgeous, you know, places to to view the leaves or the water. Um, so I'd have to look it up. But those those two are probably two of the ones that are my go tos because they're pretty close to me.
0: And I imagine. There's probably like no bad views in all the Northeast, as long as you can get to a viewpoint, right?
1: (laughs) There's actually, there was one time I was on a trail. I don't remember which one it was, uh, but I actually made a video of it uh, where it said there was a a lookout. So, you know, I'm like, okay, it's worth it's like point two. That's fine. I can do that. And I get there and it was just literally pine trees, like in front of so there, I guess there was a view there at some point, but it was really overgrown. And I was just like, well, this is not the view I was looking for. So every now and then you you can run into a view of not that much. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if I'm out even staring at pine trees, I'm good. That That's still a great view as far as I'm concerned.
0: Any um, tips or advice for folks that want to visit Connecticut during the fall color season to make sure that they don't I, I feel like it's the the popularity has really exploded over the last 10 years. And I hear that it's bumper to bumper on weekends. But how how is it during the the popular season there in Connecticut?
1: Well, I've never experienced the bumper to bumper, probably because I'll end up at like a smaller land trust where I know like Macro Costas is a place and you know, in that little section. I mean, it's busy when there's 15 people up there, you know, but there's still <laughs> there's still plenty of room for everybody someplace like Sleeping Giant, which is more uh popular or Gillette Castle or there's actually a uh I can't remember the name of it right now but there's actually another castle uh that's in Connecticut it's on the Blue Lace Trail and it's I believe it's also on the NET section uh that has a really beautiful view as well um And so it's, it's kind of like the more, there's, there's a couple of really popular places and like Ragged Mountain comes to mind. A lot of people will go to Ragged Mountain. There's a view, it's a beautiful hike. And that is uh, also, I think that's on the NET on that Blue Blaze Trail system. So those ones will get a little bit more crowded than than the local places. That's why it's it's really nice to know your local land trust. I'm a big fan of my local places. As much as I love a long trail and uh, the feeling of being on, you know, this trail where I can just keep walking, I adore my local land trusts because they're the ones that are really, you know, fighting for this space in my backyard and protecting the land so close to me. And yeah. so I do try to support them and get out there. And and when you when you do that, you always always end up finding those special kind of secret places to go where you can see, you know, sunsets and sunrises and fall colors. And it's not crazy and and really uh, crowded.
0: It's good to have those not as popular places. And that's what I love highlighting is, of course, the national parks get the attention because they are grand. They are amazing. But I feel like a lot of states have state parks, land trusts. You know reserves, even wetlands that are equally as beautiful, with you know a tenth of the crowd sometimes.
1: Uh, yeah, we have a beautiful place called McLean uh, Game Refuge, which is up in the northern, almost near Massachusetts. And I've been there a couple times. I haven't finished hiking the whole the whole refuge yet, and it's usually pretty quiet. There's uh, one trail through there that's kind of wide and flat, and so you will see like larger groups coming through there, but the smaller ones that are uh, like you're climbing over these glacial erratics and just, it's it's absolutely beautiful. And the last time I was there, I actually, I heard something, a rustling, and I looked down and I saw a hound dog and I was like, oh, it's just the dog. And then immediately a fox comes up and darts in front of me, sees me and just takes off in the other direction. I was like, The fox and the hound, like who knew, right? Like right on trail. That was amazing. You know, I couldn't have planned that any better. Uh, yeah. So, and it, it's just such a beautiful place to be. At. Um, if you come to Connecticut and you're in the kind of northwestern corner, the McLean Game Refuge is definitely one one to uh, to check out.
0: I feel like refuge areas aren't as popular, even as like state parks, because they're kind of tucked away from not civilization, but they're they're tucked away and a little bit harder to find. But they're well worth the the journey to get there. Absolutely. Uh, now talking about animals, you have some amazing, gorgeous dogs, but you also have some chickens and I feel like you've come across quite a bit of different wildlife on the trails and you've taken some really beautiful pictures of them.
1: You know, it's kind of funny because a lot of the pictures that I have on my social are actually my backyard. <laughs>
0: no uh,
1: we get a lot of animals. I live in a small town and I have a couple acres of yard that's wetland. So it's, I call it my forest. It's just the woods though. But we do have, um, I've had fox families. So I haven't seen them recently, but there was a mommy and daddy fox with two little kits that, you know, were playing in the backyard. And then I've had a couple of bears in the backyard. I have a large mulberry tree and they like <laughs> mulberries. So I did, you know, what you're supposed to do when there's a bear in the yard. I ran outside immediately and took photos um, from a safe distance and, We've also had some bobcats, and we do have coyotes around here on trail. uh, I've mostly seen deer, and I did run into a bear, a very large bear, larger than the ones that walk around my town, and that was exciting and terrifying at the same time because it was the first time I'd seen anything that was, you know, not a deer or, (laughs) you know, something small that was, you know, I didn't have to have any kind of fear of. But again, he he was just lumbering along and wanted nothing to do with me. And I stood behind a tree and watched him and he just kind of turned and then kept walking. And that was really exciting. Other than that, I've seen traces of moose, uh, but have not run into a moose yet. But we do have about 500 moose in the state of Connecticut.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, bears are one of those things that I would love to see, but at the same time from a safe distance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the people that have run into moose have definitely said that that's been more intimidating just because of their sheer size. Mm-hmm. You know, you see them on social media, especially like up in Alaska. But do the moose come into town kind of like the bears or do they stay away?
1: They do come into town. There was actually one one town over running through a parking lot. And, you know, I'm they everybody was trying to corral it because they didn't want it to go near the yeah. Uh So I think it kind of got corralled and was was sent back into the woods. <laughs> and then we also actually had a beefalo. That was running around for almost three years yeah it escaped from somewhere so there's a beefalo so it was just a big joke (laughs) that up in the torrington area uh there was a beefalo so we'd go hiking and i'd be like i wonder if we'll see the beefalo uh but they finally got captured but yeah i've i've heard the same thing about uh running into a moose that you know seeing one from a distance is is nice but you definitely don't want to run into like a bull moose uh, because they can be very aggressive and on top of being very very large
0: yeah. And Suzanne, how do your uh, pups do on the trail? Do you get to take them out much?
1: I do try to take them out. Um, uh, one of them's getting a little bit older so she doesn't go. Actually, two of them are kind of getting older so they don't go out in the heat of the summer, but now that it's getting nice and cool, we can get back out again. I have one mm. that is a pointer hound mix and she is got a prey drive like no other <laughs> dog I've ever had and but she loves being out. She has her own backpack, she carries her own water. She she carries the water for everybody, actually. And she just loves being outside and being on trail. She uh, I'm not sure how she would do in a tent yet. I haven't I haven't tested that. Uh, the other two are fine in a tent. But uh, Cleo, yeah, she's she's a bit she's young still, and she's very excited when she's outside. But, yeah, they do great on trail.
0: And you're talking about tents. This year was the first year that I transitioned from day hiker to backpacking. Um, I was able to go out a few times. I did some, you know, car camping where I went to a campground, set up my tent, just to make sure that I knew what I was doing in a safe location rather than up in the mountains. How was um, not evolution, but how was it for you going from day hiker to backpacker?
1: Well, when I was, I used to live in Florida for a little bit, and so I did a little bit more backpacking and camping when I was down in Florida. There was, I've always been hiking. I've always loved walking as far as backpacking any kind of long distance. I did that more when I was younger and before I had three kids, three dogs and two (laughs) chickens and a cat. Um, So yeah, so I still actually have my metal frame backpack that I got way back when, when I, I think I found it in a catalog. (laughs) So, I think it was like Camperama catalog or something and my original sleeping bag which is now that I try to carry it I'm like this is so heavy. So now I just have a quilt. <laughs> but I still have but the the backpack is not that heavy. Um but I used to do it a little bit more often back then and and I would bring my oldest daughter would come with me most of the time when we would go in the woods and go uh when we backpack and and go camping. I haven't done any really great backpacking trips lately, but I do spontaneously will... Go out into my woods and just set up my tent sometimes, and be like, I need, I need to go sleep in a tent somewhere. <laughs> so I'll set up the tent in the backyard, or I'll go up to just the place I can walk up to and set the tent up uh, in the the trails nearby and do a couple nights. The dogs get a little anxious when I'm not here. But and there came a point. I I love watching everybody's through hikes. My friend is out on the PCT right now, and she sends me pictures. And I actually didn't know about larches until uh, she. She sent me a picture and said, this is really big here. Like this is our fall colors. And uh, so I'm kind of living vicariously through her hike as I watch her go. And I realized at one point, I'm probably not going to ever do a a long through hike like that as much as I think I wanted to when I was younger. And it's still a great idea. But I will stop and stare at a rock and take a picture of every single mushroom and try to identify (laughs) everything. It would take me years to do it. It's not off the list. I think that maybe in a couple years when the dog situation changes and I might just disappear and you, you might just see me out on the on the AT, uh, just just going.
0: Talking about through hikes, you know, we were talking before we, we started recording. Um, a lot of the PCT hikers are making their way through Washington right now on their last leg to the northern terminus. Is that the same over on the East Coast? Are a lot of the AT through hikers making it up north to the northern terminus? Or because of um, the weather, it, do they flip it? Typically, do they start north and then end south?
1: I think it depends. Uh, There's been a few flip floppers. uh, But most of the time, I think most people, you know, Novo and you see them up at the sign, you know, Mm -hmm. this person finished, this person finished. It's nice to see them all uh, standing on uh, Katahdin. And so I think that, uh, I don't think the weather was a huge factor. I know that we did get a lot of rain. We had some storms. I know that the trail in Vermont was closed briefly. Actually, Bear Mountain in New York. So there's a Bear Mountain in Connecticut, and then there's also a Bear Mountain in New York. Mm-hmm. At Bear Mountain in New York is just reopening. There was a lot of water damage there. You couldn't even get anywhere near it for a while. So things are getting back to normal. So anybody who had to perhaps skip that st- that area, I'm sure they'll they'll just go back and redo it. Uh maybe a bridge out here and there. But I think most people uh were not as deterred as maybe out west where there was fires and, and too much snow. Uh, too much snow uh, that yeah. that caused a lot of people to reroute. So I think I think for the most part people are, are starting to finish uh, at and and we're seeing the pictures.
0: Is your friend uh, making her way through the Pacific Northwest yet on her PCT journey?
1: She, I believe she finished, she got into Washington right when the fires started so oh, okay. she jumped she had skipped the sierras so she's dipped mm-hmm. back down and now she's going through the sierras
0: oh, okay oh i'm so thankful she did that because yeah the the two big fires going on right now in the pacific northwest are right up there in the northern cascades and i think people can do an alternative route to reach um, the northern terminus, but they've been having to close the North Cascade Highway on and off for a couple weeks now because of the fires, which is sad, but I'm glad a lot of people, if one good thing came from all the snow in the Sierras um, for uh, the through hikers is it did make some Reroute and start in Washington to get that over with before fire season really got going. Now, Suzanne, you um, help out with the American Perimeter Trail. We had Rue on um, this last season and he shared his experiences about how the idea came about and the plans he has for it. You know, we recorded that episode in June, and he had a lot of um, ideas for the APT, um, and he had some things in the works for um, the summer months. Can you share a little bit about your role with the American Perimeter Trail and uh, maybe provide any updates that might have came about from this summer or might be coming this fall?
1: So, yeah, I help out with whatever needs to be done. I do a lot of the social media, and I... Uh, work on the website, work on the store with Rue. And uh, so I found out about the APT about September 2020. And I was just really intrigued because again, like when you're on a long trail and you're thinking, I can just keep going. When I heard about this, I was like, you mean I can just keep going and going? You know, I mean, not that the APT is meant to be a through hike. It's a lot more than that. When we say it's more than a trail. We really mean it. But the idea of being able to walk uh, and see so much of the country, uh, which is really ingrained for me from those trips with you know, across the country with my parents that we traveled all over. We went everywhere. We went to Glacier. We went to, you know, Yellowstone. We went to Mesa Verde. We went to Carlsbad Caverns. And then we went up into Canada and into Mexico as well. And so this idea of being able to travel around by foot uh, and even in portions, maybe multi-use, And be able to see so much of the country was so intriguing. And uh, Rue was kind of like the friend that I hadn't met yet. That's kind of how I felt. And I'm privileged to work with him on the APT and proud to call him a friend now. And uh, so we have just, well, we just revealed we are out on Hiker. So you can, you know, download the APT, the maps and the trail on Hiker for free. Uh, we do have the interactive map that's available on our website at americanperimetertrail.org, and uh, we have started working on a space through Connecticut. We're still working on connectivity in a lot of places, so and the trail's going to change. And I think that Rue, you know, he's always saying that he's like, what you're seeing right now, it's evolving still. You know, we're still in these early stages. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we weren't really, well, Rue wasn't really sure where it was going to go on the East Coast. You know, he did, as he tells the story, and Rue tells the story best about, you know, having to skip portions of the East Coast during the pandemic and such, and then having to go back and figure it out. And here in Connecticut, there was a trail that was, I think it was just thought of, and they had started on it many years ago, but it never became a trail. There was connectivity issues. And so it just kind of fell to the wayside, but I found out about it. And I contacted, you know, the Forest and Park Association. And I said, you know, there's this trail, like, why didn't it become a trail? Can you share some information? And we talked about it and shared some information. And so I've kind of been walking that path again to see if we can connect it and it would be a brand new trail across Connecticut which I'm really excited about and if we can partner with you know the Forest and Park Association and and make this happen I think it would be a wonderful addition to the hundreds of miles of trails we already have yes we do actually need more uh, trail here you can never have too much yeah. too much space to walk and hike and backpack and it would connect the Appalachian Trail with the Mohawk Trail and then go across through several different land trusts. Uh, it would go near McLean mm-hmm. Game Refuge, near the People's Forest, and then end up over at the New England Trail. So I think nice. it would be a beautiful addition. And it's been a lot of fun. Obviously, I've never built a trail before outside of the ones in my backyard mm-hmm. when I was growing up. And so <laughs> I kind of get to be Rue's eyes. So I go out and I record where I am and I'm taking pictures and then I send the file to Rue and Tim McGrath, our geographer, and have them look at it. And, you know, if I run into anything, we reroute and we redesign. They're like, here, use use this map now. And so it's oh, been a lot fun. of fun. It's been a lot of fun working with them on on getting this done. And it's it's an exciting and you know project to be working on.
0: And had that given you the ability to check out new sections of Connecticut that you Hadn't had a chance to check out yet on some of these scouting trips.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely spaces in between. I mean, you'd think that, you know, there's all these trails you've already done. And I've done a lot of the trails on the on the western side of the state already. But I drove about 35, 40 minutes north. And I'm in a place I'd never been before in a smaller land trust that I I hadn't visited yet. And I got to see this beautiful new space. And it's just gorgeous up there and so quiet. So that really was it's it's quite an opportunity to be able to work on something like this and to see even you know more new space in in my tiny state that's just so lovely to be on um, on those trails yeah and I also like the idea of connecting things and that's you know when I first learned about the apt I just saw connection. And, you know, we're kind of living in a time where there's a lot of disconnect, disconnect from the earth, from nature, from other people. You know, we had what, two, three years of major disconnect. And I see the APT as a way to reconnect. That's why I just love being part of this project. And we're connecting people, communities, trails, putting people back out into nature, spending time and, you know, with the trees and, and the fields and the grass and seeing things, uh, getting away from screens. And, you know, I really love the idea of kids being out in nature. Uh, you know, I was out there at a young age, and that's where, you know, it's imprinted in my brain being at the Grand Canyon and seeing that. I will absolutely never forget it. And I brought my kids out into nature all the time and hiking. My oldest daughter and I actually lived on a farm in West Virginia for a while and we were just outside all the time it's what we did and I love the idea of once the Apt is built to also incorporate maybe educational opportunities for kids to be out on the trail learn trail maintenance and stuff so it's definitely more than a trail it's yeah. it's it's so nice to be out there and and again the idea of connecting things is really, Something that means a lot to me when it comes to this.
0: I think Rue really hit the nail on this: that your your guys's membership is so diverse because you know the APT, the PCT, it's one stretch, you know, a few states, but the APT really does bring the nation together as far mm-hmm. as all these different hiking communities coming together to make this and into reality is amazing.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Um,
0: do you think you're done with um, scouting trips for this year, um, and maybe wait until spring, or are you going to do a few more before the snow comes in?
1: Nope, I will keep going. I have—I've uh, already <laughs> got it planned. I didn't even realize we had a long weekend this weekend until yesterday and then i was like i have an extra day to hike <laughs> i'm so excited so i will be out uh, i have a group hike with the, some people that i know on sunday and then i think we'll be back out scouting uh, the the trail in connecticut is i believe about 40 miles long so i've done maybe the first eight i think So far, so I still have a little ways to go.
0: Talking about viewpoints and fall colors, I feel like, especially day hikers, they have a regular customer routine that they do once they make their destination, whether it's a summit, maybe it's at the end of the trail once they make it back to their car. Sometimes it can be a favorite snack or meal or their favorite drink or even just a moment of Zen. Is there a regular custom that you like to do when you reach your destination or maybe when you make it back out?
1: Well, I eat the entire time I hike. Anybody that <laughs> that knows me, I, I got a new backpack not that long ago for my day hikes. And I was like, look, it has a snack pouch. And they're like, that's not a snack pouch. I'm like, it's the snack <laughs> pouch. Uh, so I yeah. will snack the whole way. But I think it depends on where we are. There, When I finished, when I got to Bear Mountain, On the Appalachian Trail when I re-hiked it, um, I think we... We did have a toast at the top of that. But a lot of times we'll bring uh, athletic beer, NA beer. Uh, they have amazing flavors. And I just, uh, they're from Connecticut. So we like to support a, a Connecticut brewery. And they have a great program called Two for the Trails, a grant that they give out towards trails and for environmental projects. And we really like really? It And it tastes good, you know, and you can have one of those. So a lot of times we'll we'll have an athletic at the end of a, of a hike.
0: Well, I like their grant program to be mm-hmm. able to get- give back to the trail systems. Awesome. Now, when it comes to your pack list, Suzanne, is there anything that you would consider like a luxury item that maybe falls outside of your essential list that you like to pack on a regular basis?
1: Other than the bug net, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't carry. Know.
0: Sometimes there's some essentials.
1: <laughs> that see, I think that that was definitely an essential for me to be comfortable uh, being able to hike through some of the swamps I've been through this year. I carry everything with me all the time. And it it doesn't matter how far I'm going. I mean, if I'm only going maybe a mile, I, pr- I might not grab the whole pack. But otherwise, I bring everything with me all the time. You never know. There was maybe last year, I think it was last year, I opted to say, oh, I'm going to leave a couple things behind this time. And that was the day that I fell down and hit my nana rock and I had not mm-hmm. packed the entire first aid kit. <laughs> So we never did that again. So I always carry first aid kit. I always carry bear spray. uh, I always carry a, a headlamp and a charger. And plus, you know, especially if I'm hiking with other people, you never know. So somebody complimented me the other day because I was talking about the time I got bit on the back of the knee by a wasp and I still had five miles to go. And I said, you know, I just took some, you know, Benadryl and I kept going. And they were like, that's you had Benadryl, you know, good for you. And I'm like, I always... Carry Benadryl. You never know; somebody you're hiking with might be allergic to something. So I tend to just carry everything.
0: I'm gonna have to follow that trick. So (laughs) on my most recent backpacking trip, it was a weird—we like literally bumped into each other, but a bee bumped into my hand on the trekking pole and didn't like fully sting me, but its stinger got me, and I was like, "Oh no!" And I've never been stung in my life. So, you know, one of my um, buddies were like, are you allergic? And I'm like, I don't think so. And I had a first aid kit, but I don't think I have Benadryl in there. She had an EpiPen if need be, but yeah. I I have one of those too. I have an EpiPen. Now you know going back to snacks, you, you like to snack throughout your hikes. Is there a favorite snack that you like to pack each time?
1: I almost always have some kind of dried fruit. I remember in in fifth grade when we hiked the AT, we had to learn how to make gorp. You know, so I was always oh, really excited. Yeah. <laughs> you had it, but I'm allergic to peanuts, so I make gork. I use cashews oh, no. instead <laughs> of instead of peanuts. <laughs> I I add cashews. I'm not allergic to those. So probably though some kind of dried fruit or a one bar or some kind of concoction. Sometimes I'll bring if it's a, if it's a longer hike, you know, if we're going to do 12 13 miles, I'll usually bring something like a chia pudding that would be rehydrated and eat that. Every now and then I'll bring like a prepackaged food and have one of those. That's kind of a luxury and I, I do keep those for when we're going to do some really long days.
0: Now, Suzanne for for folks that are you know, just getting started on their hiking or backpacking journey. Do you have any tips or advice for uh, newcomers so they can have a a safe and rewarding experience out on the trails?
1: I think that the most important thing is just to go and start walking. Uh, Find a decent pair of shoes that you know, and break them in before you, you know, start out uh, so you don't get blisters. Make sure that you uh, know where you're going. And make sure I, I'm a big fan of paper maps or a book. I don't like having my phone out a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll take my phone out to take pictures, but I don't like having to reference my phone. So I will, you know, have. A paper map or I'll, you know, have directions or write stuff down where I'm going. I'll just say, you know, blue, take a left on green triangle, you know, and I'll I'll just kind of know. (laughs) So I'll plan it out. So you kind of want to know where you're going and, you know, have a comfortable backpack. Make sure that you don't put too much weight in to begin with. Never scrimp on water. Always make sure you have enough to drink. That's really important. Uh, Bring a first aid kit because you never know and you might fall down. And other than that, just have a good time though i think the whole point of it is to be out there and loving it and being enjoying you know enjoying being out with those trees and the grass and and listening to the birds and looking for the moose and looking for tracks i'm a big fan looking for tracks i like to try to identify plants along the trail and you know just I think just getting out there. And if you're nervous, have somebody come with you. You know, you should, again, just be really enjoying yourself uh, because it's so much fun. And, and it might seem a little daunting at first, but, you know, it's okay. You can do it.
0: No, that's some really solid advice. You know, my other ask is for folks wanting to visit Connecticut and maybe get a hike in. Any tips or advice for folks, especially like me from the West Coast, um, that they should kind of consider before hitting the trails in Connecticut?
1: The season, you know, make sure that you are packed right for whatever season we're having now. There are moments where those seasons, we could have three of them within the matter of a couple of days. Uh, That does happen, especially this time of year where we're having these nice, crisp nights, but then it's going to be 90 on Monday. So the the weather can fluctuate a lot. Uh, it does get rainy and muddy. But other than that, just come here and enjoy yourself because it's absolutely beautiful.
0: Now, we're almost at the tail end of 2023. I know that you got a couple fall hikes and scouting trips planned, but Do you have any additional hiking goals for the remainder of the year? And maybe some hiking goals already planned out for
1: 2024? I, well, I definitely want to finish the scouting, what we're doing with the ABT. I do want to get to mile 800. I don't know if I'm going to get there this year, but, you know, I'm pretty close. And I am about halfway through the Appalachian Trail in New York. So I need to finish that up. And I actually want to, once I'm done with New York, I'm going to move on to Massachusetts and then do the Massachusetts Trail. The one thing that I have that's probably a little bit long term is I do want to through hike the NET. It's only about 280 miles. So it's not, it's not terrible. And there are some absolutely gorgeous shelters that are on that trail. And I would just love to redo okay. the, the Connecticut section again. I really enjoyed it. There's there's actually a section on it. I think it's on the Mattabasset Trail, which is a blue blaze trail as well as part of the NET, where shortly there's going to be massive amounts of blueberries. And I just remember we got to this mm-hmm. one section and I was like, are those blueberries? And there was just blueberries everywhere. And I was just snack, snack. So that was some amazing that uh, there was some like natural trail magic. And and you'll find that in different spots in Connecticut. Uh, you know, and especially when you get into The fall and then you get into the spring, there can be random snow showers. You can be at the bottom of of a hike and it's all dry. And then as you go up, you'll hit the snow and there's snow, but it's not really cold. It's just, you know, it's on the top of a you know a mountain and the sun will be shining and this it's glistening on the snow as it's falling out of the trees and it's a really magical time to be hiking i think during when when it's like that
0: uh, i'm excited to see you know, the pictures from your upcoming trips later on this year and then what's to come in 2024. You know, that was it for the regular questions, Suzanne. The the next section is the this or that questions. I'm going to give you two hiking related topics, and this is purely personal preference, um, but then you choose the one that you prefer out of the two. So the first one is, do you prefer ascending or descending? Ascending. And this one's always a tough one, but waterfalls or so I'll
1: take water. It doesn't actually have to be falling. I do like a good, a good walk <laughs> along the river but I, I would go with waterfall.
0: And you know, we just talked about it, but do you prefer switchbacks or straightbacks? And then are you team trek poles or do you hike? I treatment? use one trek pole. How has that been an adjustment? Cause there's definitely been trails where I feel like two trek poles have been too much, and I just wish I, I had do,
1: You, I, I can bring the other one with me, so like sometimes I'll have it on my pack. It Depends on how far we're going and where we're going to be, but it's really hard to eat when you have two of them. <laughs> so oh. it, it inhibits <laughs> my snacking, so I, I had to move to one track. Yeah,
0: I like it. <laughs> and, you know, this has been a big shift over the last decade, especially out on the trails, but when it comes to footwear, do you wear trail runners, or do you prefer hiking boots?
1: I use trail runners I do wear boots if I have to put my spikes on because I don't like the way they fit uh, on. And it the trail runners don't keep my feet as dry. So, but other than that, uh, trail runners... I think it's funny. When I first started hiking, I didn't really realize that there was special shoes for it. And I hiked in Birkenstocks <laughs> or or barefoot. You still will find me uh, with no shoes on sometimes out on trail, depending on where we are. Um, I like to feel the the mud in my toes.
0: Now, when it comes to trail systems, do you prefer a loop trail or not I like a loop trail? trail. I think I know the answer to this one. But when you come across a body of water, do you jump do you in you or jump do you in? stay dry? And... This one's a tough one because I feel like, especially in the Northeast, you guys get amazing sunrises. But when it comes to sunsets or sunrises, do you have a preference?
1: I think I like sunsets. Um, Obviously, I like both. But I think that uh, I like ending my day. With just the beautiful colors and the beautiful view of that sun going down and kind of finishing off and, and then off to sleep.
0: And then this one's a, a super hard one, super hard one. But spring wildflowers or fall, fall
1: colors?
0: Flowers? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I wanted to ask you, how how big of a window is it in Connecticut? Um, is it like one or two weeks where it's peak colors? Or is it shorter? It
1: really depends on the weather, like what our weather was, uh, you know, and whether or not we're getting frosts and things as to whether or not you have the shorter window or not. Uh, But the nice thing about it is that since the fall colors kind of move their way up, if you miss them here, you can just keep going because you can get anywhere in Connecticut in less than three hours. So you can just go to Massachusetts or New York (laughs) and you won't miss anything.
0: Okay, yeah, that's a good, good tip. Now, this last one, Suzanne, is the most controversial one for some, but that's when it comes to social media. Do you tag a hike or do you not tag a hike?
1: It depends on whether or not I remember to do it. So if it's tagged, it means I thought about it. Otherwise, it's probably not there.
0: (laughs) Well, that was it for the this or that question. Suzanne, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your hiking experiences in Connecticut for folks that want to follow your journey and then get some maybe sneak preview of what the Connecticut portion of the APT might look like. What's the best place they can follow you on social media? I
1: am on Instagram, uh, Suzanne Catherine. I think it's the same on Facebook. And I do have a TikTok. It's called Cricket Connecticut. And uh, but it usually has the same stuff that's on Instagram. And then uh, I do run the social media uh, most of the time for the APT. So that's me posting over there as well.
0: And if folks want to get involved with the APT in their local jurisdiction, what's the best way they can reach out and see what's Just available Go
1: to our website? And there is a place where you can volunteer or you can just send an email to info at American Perimeter Trail.org and uh, we will get back to you. We would love to have people, you know, from around the country starting to get kind of ramped up for what we're going to need. It does, this is going to take a village. It's a very big project and it is a passion project. It's going to take some time and it's going to take a lot of people. So, you know, if you want to get involved, we're always looking for people to contribute to the newsletter or photos for social media. We'd love to see photos from. From around around the country and share those. So yeah, just send us an email.
0: Well, thanks again, Suzanne. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Alongside Suzanne, we extend a heartfelt thanks to her for coming on the podcast. Make sure to stay connected and follow her upcoming adventures on Instagram at Suzanne underscore K A T H underscore B. Be sure to check out all the episode show notes to learn more about the American Perimeter Trail. My apologies again for the audio issues at the end of this episode. We're working on having a second backup file locally to help prevent this in future episodes. We have an incredible lineup of episodes planned throughout the fall, and we can't wait to share them with you. New episodes will be dropping every Monday with occasional bonus episodes on Fridays. To ensure you never miss out on those thrilling tales, remember to hit that like and subscribe button. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to join our vibrant community on Instagram, at hikesandmikes. We'll be sharing episode visuals, my own personal hiking content, and so much more. Let's stay connected and continue to inspire each other on this remarkable journey. As we bid farewell, remember to tread those happy trails, embrace the great outdoors, and keep the spirit of adventure alive. Until next time, my fellow explorers, happy hiking. This episode's music was created by Ketza. Follow him on Instagram, at KetzaMusic. This episode is brought to you by Flip Socks. Whether you're on the trail, on the job, or in the yard, Flip Socks will keep Mother Nature out of your boots with their innovative nylon sleeve. You no longer need to worry about any annoying debris getting trapped in your boots during your hikes. Simply flip down the nylon sleeve over any boot to prevent Mother Nature from finding its way inside, keeping your feet comfortable all day long. To get your first pair, visit flipsockswithaz.com and enter promo code hikesmikes 10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for listeners who use the promo code at checkout, I'll be donating 100% of the season two promo code proceeds to big city mountaineers who provide transformative experiences through connections to nature that strengthen life skills and build community for youth and disinvested communities across the nation. So if you're tired of bits and pieces of the trail finding its way into your hiking boots, pick up a pair of flip socks today with the promo code HIKESMIKES10 to get 10% off for website and promo code See the episode description.